are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows. Here are your here are your here are your here this is a capital. We have a little problem with our empathy. So we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 133. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. Welcome. And we are excited to be here tonight talking about all sorts of good sci-fi. Yeah, there's some new stuff coming out that has me excited. Oh yeah, and some uh, great finales that we got to talk about in our listener feedback episode. Oh, oh, oh heck yes. Oh yes. I mean, it's a little thing called, um, I don't know, Fringe? Um, right, right. Belly is back. But anyways, we don't want to spoil it for anyone, so mm-hmm. um, we just got done recording our Terminator episodes, so very cool. That was a lot of fun. Yep. And if you are into our Rewind episodes, we'll be rewinding Total Recall next. That'll so be fun, too. That. We want to thank Mike Crate and Soren Ager for making this episode possible. If you want to contribute to this podcast and send out a message to someone, you can drop a little bit of money in the tip jar at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at uh, dot com. I want to say at gmail.com all the time. But sci-fi.podcast.com. Um, obviously, feel free to come and join the community that we have. We have an awesome community, 300-plus people on our Facebook fan page, mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of people joining our forums. Right. Even though there was some spam in there I had to take care of. Yeah, I saw somebody try to get in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you see anything, just email me and let me know. Radu, thank you so much. You know, blessings to Radu who actually informed me, hey, you have some people that are trying to sell Viagra. And, uh, the- well, that's not – that's a, not that kind of form. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, it, it might need some, but not there. So too much information. Wait. <laughs> okay. But thank you so much for all you guys do and for Colin with YouTube. I got to check out a YouTube page. I haven't been on there in about a mm-hmm. week or two. I know he's put some stuff up. I need to go in and check, but I haven't. But anyway, thank you so much, Colin, for doing the stuff that you do there. Absolutely. Well, um, we got to talk tonight. We have, we have What's on the menu tonight? Well, we'll uh, we we shall read our trivia question again and uh, see if you see if you can get, get the answer to this. Yeah, we have two people in the running, so um, it's a nice prize. Uh, two 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 prints of uh, two very lovely ladies, and uh, in TV news, uh, Green Arrow is going to be on CW, the new J.J. Abrams uh, TV show Revolution trailer, and um, I thought, uh, although we don't have a, a confirmed date yet or confirmed where. It's going to be on TV or, or web series, uh, but the the Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome trailer is is available to watch. It was available to watch for a very short while, and then NBC took it off, but uh, it's back. And in this week's uh, movie news, um, Ryan Reynolds is supposedly he's going to be the new Batman when they start making new Batman movies again. Um, is that confirmed? That appears to be confirmed, yes. And in this week's twist, um, I, I didn't... We, we kind of give you a lot of Star Trek news last time. So th- this time there's an article uh, that um, Nimoy was also going to – he was in the running to play Cybok in Star Trek V. He would have played Spock, but he also would have you know, did double duty in playing the part of Cybok in there as well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I wonder, I wonder if um, – you know – that's interesting information. You mm-hmm. know, you're not giving a lot of Star Trek news tonight because our interview is Star Trek. Our interview is, yes, Star Trek related. And our Sci-Fi 5 is Star Trek related. We have some good uh, good Worf quotes. So tell, tell me about the interview. We didn't tell anyone about that yet. Well, um, a lot of you listeners are, are aware, Scott and I, we, we, we do we do we can to plug the uh, the fan independent uh, film efforts of uh, of, of groups like Star Trek Farragut or, or Phase 2 and Star Trek Phoenix. Uh, but uh, we found another one, uh, a gentleman out from uh, Las Vegas is, is working on. It's called Star Trek uh, Secret Voyage, and we're going to be talking to uh, Mr. Craig Wheeler this evening. Yeah, I can't wait for that interview to take place. Yep. Coming up. 
Thank you for that menu. Why don't we go into the uh, why don't we go into the trivia, Miles? All right. So uh, tell us about this trivia question. Well, we asked last time, um, what does species eight four seven two and the Cylons have in common? And we can now give the answer. Okay. The answer is the answer is uh, Miss Kate Vernon. She played a in Star Trek Voyager. Um, in, there was an episode where she uh, she was a, she she because we find out that species eight four seven two have the ability to shape shift and uh, she shaped it into a human. Um, she played a character named or her her called Valerie Archer and uh, but she was also um, one of the final five Cylons in uh, BSG uh, and she played. Um, uh, Ellen Ty throughout the series. Very cool. Very cool. And um, and uh, the prize that they would win? The prize they're going to win is two wonderful pictures, one of a signed print of uh, Amelia Ulrup from uh, when she was on Reese. She's hot. She she looks fantastic. Yes, she is. And uh, uh, Miss Kristen Bauer from uh, True Blood. Yeah, absolutely. And these are lovely prints. We have a winner tonight. And the winner for this trivia prize, thank you for everyone who played, is... Mr. Richie Selfridge. So, Richie, we'll be contacting you to find out your mail information. By the way, Scott Chandler, we still need your mailing address because Jason vowed to share the prize last time. That's very nice of so, Jason to do so. If we, don't, if we don't hear from you, we'll send the prize to Jason. It's not a real big deal. Mm-hmm. But thought we'd like to give you some love. Oh, sure. So, very cool. Well, let's go into our first promo tonight. Our first promo tonight is for Balticon, which, Miles, isn't that far away? It's No, it's not. No, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. We will be in Balticon mm-hmm. hanging out with some awesome peeps. Right. Uh, I can't wait. Our schedule's pretty light. We have some panels, but mm-hmm. not a lot of interviews. And I kind of did that intentionally because I imagine we'll line up some stuff there. I, 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 I think you're right. Uh, we'll get to meet a couple of the people that we have interviewed in the past. I have so many interviews mm-hmm. that we haven't shared from Farpoint yet. Right. So uh, we got to share some of those. That's true. So anyways, so listen to the Balticon promo and the great love that is all Balticon. We look forward to seeing those of you that are going to be there. Let us know again if you're going to Balticon. We'd yeah, love maybe, to hang out with mm-hmm. you. Maybe we get a drink or get a, get a meal or something. Absolutely. Anyways, here's the Balticon promo. What are you doing for Memorial Day weekend this year? I've got the best working vacation planned ever. I'll be sitting on a panel talking about social media promotion. I am hanging out with my friends from all over the country and even across the globe. I'm hitting up several of the writing panels, anything that involves superpowers, but also that gritty sci-fi thriller vibe. I am going to be hanging out with the largest collection of podcasters in America. I'm probably going to kill someone. Sigler! No. Bad author. Bad. There will be at least one writing morning at the nearby Panera. I hear it's where all of the cool folks go for coffee. I'm spreading myself far too thin and going on both a podcasting track and the literary track. So, where am I spending this amazing weekend? At Balticon. I'm going to 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 Balticon. Shouldn't you be going too? That's Balticon, the Maryland Regional Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention, held Memorial Day weekend each year. For more information, go to Balticon.org. Right, we are back, and we are going to share with you some awesome TV news. This is one that I'm kind of excited about, and I'm glad that if anyone's picking it up, it is the CW. Tell us about it. Yeah, CW did uh, Smallville right, and, and they gave Smallville ten seasons. And so, um, well, when we say Smallville right, let's mm-hmm. define that. I mean, some of the seasons weren't that great, but it get, they didn't cancel it after the first bomb season, right? And they it did get better. I mean, la- I, I would think the last three or four seasons were pretty good. Well, with Doomsday and all that, mm-hmm. all right, come on, you Sam Whitburn, it has to be good, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, so. It, it, we have uh, CW is going to pick up Green Arrow, and uh, so they're the calling stream- it. They're calling it just Arrow, right? 
for now, yes. Uh, so the streak is broken. After Wonder Woman, uh, Lock and Key, and Powers, we were starting to think that new superhero television shows were doomed. But that Oliver Queen, he's a wily one. This week, the All-American uh, Television Networks have been announcing which shows will return next season and which pilots have been picked up to series. The CW has announced The Arrow, the new live-action Green Arrow series. that has nothing to do with the live-action Green Arrow from Smallville. We'll be slinging its way to television screens come fall. I've heard mixed things about the pilot, but I guess uh, we'll find out for sure after this summer. Arrow is written and produced by uh, Andrew uh, Kreisberg and uh, Greg uh, Berlanti and uh, Mark Guggenheim. Uh, all who have strong uh, ties to comics and comic book media properties uh, like like Green Lantern. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to be honest. My superhero background is limited to the little bit I've read in comic books and watched in TV. But the Green Arrow, I'm only familiar, at him, familiar with him from Smallville. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this the type of character that we're going to see? I know it's not Smallville they're basing it on. They're just doing their own thing. But right. it, he's associated with the League of Superheroes, I assume? They don't give us much information. I mean, it looks. Uh, I would suspect. Did you watch tells- Green Arrow growing up, or anything with? There him? was no Green Arrow cartoon, except in combination with something else, with like the Super Friends back in the seventies, and then back with when when Justice League was back in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, there there was a um, a Green Arrow character. Now Green Arrow did get his own animated movie uh, a few years back. Um, so I. I'm, he was kind of almost like a secondary character, but he has a kind of a similar—I mean, similar story to Batman, Bruce Wayne. His, his parents get killed, um, but he was marooned on an island for for a few years or something. And so, um, basically, rich, rich, spoiled kid who basically like Bruce Wayne, like but shit, but <laughs> changes his life to you know right. defend those who can't defend themselves. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of looking for. We'll have to wait to see some see some trailers. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll reserve judgment till then. Yeah. But CW has, the poten- CW has the potential to do it right. I, I think so, yeah. Well, we have our first trailer for Revolution out. If you don't know what Revolution is, basically NBC has released the first trailer for this TV show called Revolution, a new post-apocalyptic drama set in a world where all power is seized. Tim Guinea, is that the way you pronounce it? Guinea, Stargate SG-1's Tommen, co-stars and features heavily in the trailer. Am I even pronouncing that right, Miles? I'm not sure if that's his... All right. But I'm I, I with the actor. But, but beware of the significant spoilers in the trailer and the show description below. Revolution is produced by J.J. Abrams, Lost, and Eric Kripkick, Supernatural, Kripkick. Uh, the series launches this fall, will air Mondays at 10 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time, 9 o'clock Central Time. Enjoy the benefits of the powerhouse T, The Voice as its lead-in. Here's the network's full description of the series from the day's press release. Our entire way of life depends upon electricity. So what would happen if we just stopped working? One day, like a switch, it's turned off. The world is suddenly thrust back into the dark ages. Planes fall from the skies. Hospitals shut down. The communications is impossible. And without modern technology, who can tell us why? Now, 15 years later, life is back to what it once was long before the Industrial Revolution. Families living in quiet cul-de-sacs. And when the sun goes down, lanterns and candles are lit. Life is slower and sweeter, or is it? On the fringes of a small farming community's danger lurks in a young woman's life is dramatically changed when local militia arrives and kills her father, who mysteriously and unbeknownst to her had something to do with the blackout. This brutal encounter sets her and two unlikely companions off in a daring coming-of-age journey to find answers about the past in hopes of reclaiming the future. From the director, John Favreau, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and the fertile imaginations of J.J. Abrams, Lost Person of Interest, and Eric Kripke, Supernatural, comes a surprising what-if action-adventure series, where unlikely hero will lead the world out of the dark. Literally. The series stars Billy Burke, The Twilight Saga, uh, Tracy uh, Spirndakos, Being Human, Annalise Phillips, Terra Nova, Zach Orth, Romeo and Juliet, uh, Graham Rogers, Memphis Beat, J.D. Pardo, Cinderella Story, uh, Guy and Carlo, Espedito, Breaking Bad, David Lyons, A Cape, uh, Maria Howell, The Blind Side, Tim Guinea, Iron Man, Andrea Roth, Rescue Me, Kripke, Abrams, Favreau, and Brian Burke, Lost in Star Trek, serve as the executive producers. Revolution is produced by Bonanza Pub Productions Incorporated in association with Bad Robot Productions, Kripke Enterprises, and Warner Brothers Television. The pilot was directed by Favreau. NBC also released three additional clips in the series pilot episode. So what do you think? Is this going to be a revolution for the struggling Peacock Network? Will you be tuning in? Hmm. 
so just based on that description, what do you think of this? Um, it, it does interest me. I mean, um, we talked about in the past, we like post-apocalyptic dramas, and um, that's pretty uh, post-apocalyptic when all, all electricity goes out. I mean, think of how much we depend on electricity, and we have to go, basically go back to a pre-industrial um, society. It reminds me a little bit of Jeremiah. Does yeah. doesn't isn't that with, the, with Luke? Uh, what's his face Luke on? Barrett, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't this kind of the society they live in? Very similar. There's some people that have electricity, but most people don't. Yeah, so it's kind of this mm-hmm. pre-industrial revolution type of thing. Well, let's go ahead and play the trailer and see what uh, see if we have any comments about that, and then we can go into our next news story. Okay. The kids are great. Uh, you want to talk to Charlie? Charlie. Charlie. What is going on? We don't have much time. Benjamin, what's up? Where have you been? It's all going to turn off. What? It's going to turn off and it will never, ever turn back on. What's going to turn off? What are you talking about? Did I lose you? Miles. friend I am going to. I'm Nate. Charlie. Where are you headed, Charlie? None of your business, Nate. Charlie, you can't trust anyone. Let's not forget, you drew first. That puts your daddy's blood on your hands, son. We're looking for Miles Matheson. Who are you? Charlie. I'm his niece. Just you. Come with me. Oh, hey, buddy. She's my niece. I don't know you. Militia, huh? Monroe thinks your dad knew something. What? Why the lights went out. Maybe how to turn them back on. I have lost everyone that I care about. And God knows what they're doing to Danny right now. So you are going to help me get him back. Why is that? Because we're family. Kid, I don't even know you. Just come with us. We don't want to hurt you. Take him. Dude, 
that's kind of eerie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, when we first started reading the description, I was like, eh, eh, mm. you know, whatever, post-apocalyptic and electric. Eh. But the action looks pretty awesome in it. Yeah, it, it does look very compelling. Um, interesting story going on here. So I'm the first the trail the um, the pilot episode. I'm definitely be watching. I'm I'm optimistic of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I saw the, I, I saw this on um, Gate World. Um, I guess because the the one actor uh, he was on Star Trek SG One, right? Stargate SG One, and in um, the one um, Arc of Truth. So. So yeah, I, I, I saw, and he was on, on on a Fringe episode a couple weeks ago. He played one of the shapeshifters. Yes, yes, I think you're right. I think so. you're right. Yeah. Well, tell me about this next trailer that we have. This is Blood and Chrome, right? Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for Blood and Chrome forever. I mean, mm-hmm. this, of course, if you don't know what Blood and Chrome about, give me a little, give us a little bit of background to Blood and Chrome. Okay, Battlestar Galactica Blood and Chrome. It takes place um, about f- uh, forty or so years before. The events of the um, of the series, the reimagined series, the re- right. reimagined series. Um, um, we'll, we'll see if our familiar character with um, um, uh, William Adama, um, played by a much younger actor, of course, he plays Ensign Adama as a new, new fighter pilot. And this is uh, ten years into the Cylon War, and so this was proposed some time ago, and it's it. It's still up for debate whether it's going to be a web series or a TV series. It's going to depend on how that pilot does. Ultimately. Yeah, but I, so Blood and Chrome. Let's go ahead and watch the trailer. And we can talk about it as it's going on. You saw this, right, Miles? Oh, many times. I've watched, rewatched it a couple times. All right. So, so you're hooked in this, right? Very much so. So we start out by seeing Adama, right? The young Adama by his flight. They, they did a good job of casting a young Adama. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Now, is Adama really the only one we're going to see? Maybe Ty. I imagine we're going to see Ty somewhere in there. There's been no mention of seeing Ty. Um, prob- probably Adama will be the only one we we know from the, from previous series. Yeah, that and the Cylons, right? Yes. Well, now the skin jobs around during this. We are are we at old style Cylon? We're, we're at old school looking Cylons. These are the ro- these are the more robotic ones that we're going to be seeing. I love some of the computer effects they have, where like they show you the computer form of the Viper. Right. So um, very cool. I like that. I saw um, some skin jobs. <laughs> but I liked uh, they say a lot they're, they're relying a lot on green screen work and so they're pulling a sanctuary basically. they're pulling a sanctuary but it looks good I, I um, you know a lot of it looks just as good as if you had a, a full set but the action looks fantastic and, and plus we have finally some good space sci-fi again Oh, I hope so. We haven't gotten anything really in space in a while. No, we haven't. So I'm really fully and hoping that this show will uh, get picked up. Yeah, me too. It is going to be good. Blood and Chrome, folks. If you haven't got a chance, we'll put the link in the show notes for you to check out the trailer. But it looks pretty awesome, Miles. The trailer alone has me sold. So yeah. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Well, let's go into some movie news here. Uh we have rumors on a new Batman. Holy Hannah, Miles! We don't even have our third Batman out yet. I know, and we're already talking about uh, uh, you know somebody else to take uh, a Christian Bale's place. But according to Christian Bale and uh, uh, Christopher Nolan, um, after this movie, they're done. And so, but Hollywood isn't done with Batman yet. So the story is <coughs> Ryan Reynolds take over as Batman after The Dark Knight Rises. So yeah, of course, it was a Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christopher Nolan always said that The Dark Knight would be the last film in his Batman trilogy. But that doesn't mean the Warner Brothers wants to stop producing adventures for the Cape Crusader. The franchise is a surefire box office hit, and it wouldn't make sense for the studio just to drop it after The Dark Knight Rises. They already lost Harry Potter, and I'm sure they're not eager to lose another franchise. Today, the studio announced that they are planning on giving Batman... Um, Excuse me one second. A, re- a reboot? Yes. They want to give Batman a reboot once Christopher Nolan steps away from the franchise. Being a reboot, none of the original cast will be returning, which means that the studio needs to find a new actor to play the Cape Crusader. Following in the footsteps of Christian Bale is a daunting task for just about anyone. But Warner Brothers seems to think that Ryan Reynolds is the man for the job. Yes, you heard that right. Once uh, Nolan and, and Bale depart from the Batman universe, Warner Brothers will reboot it with, with Ryan Reynolds in the lead role. The studio recently worked with him on Green Lantern, and though the film flopped, it wasn't Reynolds' fault. He, sl- he showed us that he could craft 
uh, an effective superhero, and Warner Brothers obviously enjoyed his performance. Much of the film's faults stem from the writing and directing, not from Reynolds' performance. We, we begged Chris, Christopher Nolan to stay on board, but he refuses. He feels he, he can't do anything more with the series after the third film. We don't want to let Batman die, though. We know that there are tons of fans out there that will want more, and that's why we're looking into a reboot, uh, says um, uh, Barry Meyer, a CEO of Warner Brothers. Uh, we love the work that Ryan did for us uh, for Green Lantern. We feel that he's the right man to lead the Batman franchise. He's an extremely talented individual, and we hope that fans will embrace him as the new Batman, continued Meyer. As for directors, nothing has been announced as of yet, but apparently the studio wants uh, Duncan Jones. Uh, Jones was the director of uh, Source Code, was ruined for both uh, the Wolverine and Man of Steel at one point. So it's clear the studios feel that he can handle a big franchise. This is by no means confirmed, though it's, it's, it's what one source close to the studio has told us. Now, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. They're talking about rebooting Batman and the third movie isn't out. I understand they want to continue the franchise. Right. But are we really calling this a reboot? When I think reboot, I think let's go back to the origin story and start over. Sure. Are they really thinking of doing that again? It, 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 it sounds like it. And, and it's too – I mean the, the, the origin story with the first one was, was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, but, I but don't think how you're going to do – really what they should do is not do a reboot. Maybe it's a reboot of the cast. Just recast it and tell the next story of Batman. They could do that. I mean, they they did that with. Uh, let's see. After it, it, it was um, Michael Keaton, then it was uh, Val Kilmer, and they just continue the story, right? They just continue the story. So it, it, it's really early on. So it, so I guess they don't have it yet chiseled in stone yet with what they're going to do. But Brian um, Reynolds, I'm not sure. I mean, he just. I don't know if he has the gravitas that uh, Christian Bale has. I mean. Um, I saw Green Lantern. I don't think it was as bad as people say, but he, I'm having a hard time imagining him as Batman. I have a hard time, even harder time imagining him as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So, um, maybe, gonna admit, let me let me let me admit something here. I've been watching the previews for the Amazing Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield. You know, I was thinking, okay, who's going to surpass Tobey Maguire? Right. But Eddie Garfield's pulling off a pretty good bat, uh, you know, Spider-Man here. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'll see it in theaters, but it looks pretty good. Yeah, I'll definitely want to see it either at theaters or, or to rent it. I'm not sure which yeah. at this point, but um, maybe a matinee. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I mean, I, I was hoping to keep the Batman series going. I think there's still plenty more stories to tell, and uh, it's too bad uh, Bale and, and Nolan don't want to want to do it. I mean, after this. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Let's move into this week in Star Trek, Miles. So this week in Star Trek, I found this article. Uh, so Nimoy was not happy he was passed over for Star Trek V's villain. The 1989 release of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is generally regarded by Trek fans as one of the worst in the canon. With a, with a rogue Vulcan trying to find God at the center of the universe and the Enterprise crew in hot pursuit, it was definitely a weird premise. But it could have been a whole lot weirder. After Sean Connery turned down the role of the central baddie, Cybok, stage actor Lawrence Lookinbill took up the character and did an admirable job, but according to Lookinbill, there was more than one actor in the running, Spock himself. Larry Nimoy apparently wanted to play both characters in dual role. He, he did not say word for word for me for quite a while uh, other than hello. I found out later he, he had really, really pushed hard to have this as a double role. Um, for him, looking a bit little told Star Trek.com. I don't know if this is absolutely true. That was the scuttlebutt, and I got that from a very high up in the food chain of information that Leonard wanted to play Cybok and play Spock. That would have been a tremendous thing to do, but since they weren't twins, they cast me. Though he may not have been in the best of terms with Nimoy at the time, Luca Bill said Spock eventually warmed up to him a bit by the time the film started to wrap. The best compliment I got in the last scene. So 20 or 25 weeks later, Leonard looked at me and said, you know, you're terrific in this. I thought it was a great send-off, he said. Sound-off, you think, that Nimoy would have had a... Do you think Do you think the double uh, Nimoy would have made Trek Five uh, better or worse? And um, me personally, I don't think it would have... Um, it would have been either. Um, yeah, I don't think it would have improved it. I don't I think, think it the improved. problem was not the actor. The problem was scripting. The scripting, yeah. And I don't... I mean... And the story, maybe. The script, the story, I don't know if William Shatner could be blamed for the directing. I don't know because he, he, Shatner did direct uh, five. Uh, but, yeah, um, 
I don't hate Star Trek Five as some people do, but it's definitely not one of the better ones in the franchise. Yeah, almost forgettable until you mentioned the God Complex, right? The universe that was mm-hmm. it. But this is news to me. I never heard that you know Nimoy wanted to actually play both roles. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting to see him, you know, act off himself. I mean, it was, um, and, and see him play a, a rogue Vulcan. You know, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. I think he could have done the makeup a little bit different and do something like that. Oh, sure. I think I think he could have pulled it off. It just, uh, but they wanted to have a different actor play the part. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Well, thank you for this week in Trek. My pleasure as always. Well, let's move into our last promo tonight. Our last promo tonight is from Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dad. Okay. We of course had Fringe basically off the air this summer, and uh, they have some good podcasts. So if you're catching up on late episodes of Fringe or want to find out what's going on in the Fringe world. This is a podcast for you. Come close. I've got a quick question for you. Have you ever felt like you're out on the edge? Let's maybe call it the fringe. I happen to know someone who's fluent in gobbledygook. Well, I might be that guy. I'm Wayne Henderson. And I'm Dan, Metal Dan on Twitter. And together, we are the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, devoted to the TV show Fringe. Check out Fringe Casting at MediaVoiceOvers.com slash Fringe. Also in iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, etc. Then call us with your Fringe thoughts and theories on our listener line at area code 206-984-1446. Thank you for your attention and have a nice day. sci-fi diner podcast we are not only interested with uh, what hollywood will bring to us when it comes to sci-fi we're very interested in the efforts of uh, independent filmmakers who where they may lack in financial resources make it up with creativity heart and a love for the stories they are telling a few months back i was listening to the matter stream podcast and heard about another effort to bring live action classic trek to, to us the fans this is a very interesting project and i want to learn more Tonight we're talking with uh, independent filmmaker uh, Mr. Craig Sheeler of uh, Star Trek Secret Voyage. Mr. Sheeler, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thanks for having me, Miles. Uh, my pleasure. Craig, before we talk about your project, please tell us a little about yourself and what got you into filmmaking and, and uh, what got you into Star Trek and other sci-fi. Okay. Um, I've been uh, in the graphic design uh, industry for about 25 plus years, so my my background it was mainly in print media, and uh, as, as print media has gone, has shifted more over to digital media, that's just where I, I sort of just started making my, my transfer over and, and doing uh, short, small little films and uh, uh, commercial-type productions. Hmm. And as far as Star Trek goes, well, I used to watch that with my father uh, when I was young. M- me too. Uh, that's one of my earliest memories, yeah. Now was, now, was Star Trek, like, the thing that got you into science fiction, or was there some other influence in science fiction that played in into your love of sci-fi and eventually Star Trek? Believe it or not, I, I kind of looked at Star Trek growing up as that was that was a thinking man sci-fi, and, and my dad liked that, and I would sit there and I, I would just be, I didn't get most of it, because uh, I was real young. I, I actually uh, um, got a lot of uh, uh, of love out of things like I was a huge Planet of the Ape and Lost in Space fan growing up. Cool. Oh yeah, yeah, and they they were probably a bit more accessible to a younger younger audience, I would think. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, put a pointed ear guy up next to a robot, you know, at the age six or seven, you know, <laughs> you're gonna go, you're gonna go for the robot. But um, but I just I was always amazed because my, my parents even dressed up as Star Trek uh, to go on uh, you know Halloween parties and things like that. So. It was always just kind of fascinating to me to to see them become these characters. Yeah. 
So what? So when did that? When did that shift for you? Was it was it when you were a adult or a teen, or is there a certain moment in Star Trek that said, "Well, you know what? There's more to this than I'm giving it credit for." Right. Well, uh, I, I, after of course it aired live and then started doing reruns. I caught episodes uh, throughout the seventies, but when they decided to make a movie, uh, I, I was like, "Hey, yeah, I remember that TV show," and so I started to you know go back and watch a couple of episodes to try to get an understanding. And then I, I was, I was a big fan of the movies as they, as they, you know, they, they went on and, uh, to the point, you know, I would, uh, everybody in the office would all go together and watch, uh, one of the Star Trek movies when they came out. And, um, then I think when, uh, when I started working, I where I worked for my own studio. Uh, and so some afternoons I would just, uh, listen to I would just put on the TV and they would just run back to back episodes of Star Trek. So I had an opportunity to finally sit and know that I've seen every episode now. And uh so from there just started getting a little bit more into it. Um went to a couple of Star Trek conventions. Um and uh then about a year ago uh actually about two years ago is when I got the bug to finally do this project. Mm-hmm. Mm. So maybe that leads into Miles. Your next question here. So um, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but um, um, so what was it that inspired you to create uh, Star Trek: Secret Voyage, and um, and what inspired you to keep it in the original series? Okay, um, I stumbled across uh, the very popular uh, Phase Two series a few years ago, uh, and I was I was very impressed that 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 kind of effort was made on on producing uh, you know fan film. Uh, because I had watched a few fan films in the past, some Batman fan films, some superhero fan films. Um, uh, some friends and I even did our own little fan film back in the 80s of Star Trek meets Star Wars. That's on, it's on YouTube now. And um, so I thought, well, this would be really interesting. And uh, through the process, I, I just thought, you know, I would, I would love to be able to travel to New York and throw something like that together. Um, but then it occurred to me that there was this huge Star Trek the largest in the in, in the country in Las Vegas every year. So I uh, I started looking at uh, getting a uniform made so that I could participate in the uh, in the Star Trek convention. And um, when I when I put that uniform on, I saw a whole different side of the fans. I mean, they they just they loved it, you know. And uh, uh, and then I thought, you know. Who's to say you have to you have to have all of the uh, uh, expense and uh, and sets and everything to really kick out a a, a Star Trek episode? So I started looking at uh, the remastered series and I started looking at some of the things, reading some books about Star Trek, finding out that some of the things that say the executives and some of the uh, some of the fans might have maybe didn't like about the original series was that. You know, because of budget restraints, everything was a bottle show. You know, they rarely went to a planet and did some things. And so I thought, what if what if I did a series that was all about going to the planets and not so much about space battles and um, all of that stuff? And so I started developing this idea for a more action-packed, organic version of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So what's the premise of Secret Voyage? Okay, Secret Voyage takes place uh, right at the end of Captain Kirk's five-year mission. Um, I got the uh, the sort of the the idea of, of where this story could take place by reading a book called um, The Lost Years, and in it, uh, Kirk comes back after the seven year after his five-year mission, and the whole crew goes on a six-month shore leave because it's their tour of duties over, and. Uh, they have these uh, little adventures while they're waiting for, to come back from their their six months. Then they get reassigned, and then Scotty starts working on the re- on the refit. And I realized this ship's just sitting there for six months, doing nothing, waiting for Scotty to get done with his vacation so he can go start working on the on the project. And I thought, what if another team was put together to borrow the Enterprise for a secret mission that nobody ever knew about in all of this history of Star Trek? Until now, cool. That's a great premise. So the idea, of, if if you've ever wanted to be a starship captain and be on the Starship Enterprise, but you couldn't be Kirk, this is your opportunity. Yeah. Well, now I noticed that 
uh, when we when we deal with classic Trek, there's a couple ways to go back and do it. There's the the Starship Farragut, which does a very traditional, uh, old school style of looking at Trek. Um, are you looking at kind of doing something similar to that? Are you going to update the effects and have it look a little bit have a little bit more of modern feel, but be in that original series universe? How do you uh, how do you how are you looking at presenting this visually? I guess we do want to say if we had the same basic formula, the same designs, the same idea of this uh, uh, wagon train to the stars today, how would we go about doing it? So we're not necessarily trying to frame our shots in standard TV format and make them look like 35 millimeter grain filmed in 1960s. We, we do respect the, the color, the primary color contrasts, uh, the, the extra uh, gels and stuff that they did, but mostly... Uh, we use, uh, you know, effects that are a little bit more today in sci-fi. Oh, good, good. So it's it's an upgraded, it's a modernized version of the classic Trek. Oh, very good. I think you almost need that if you're going to bring in a new audience mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah, I think, you know, th- I think the others that are doing classic Trek out there and staying as true to, you know, the 1960s and 70s, I think they're doing just a fine job. And right. so... Uh, but but we need more classic Trek, so we're just taking a little spin uh, on a little different direction. And if it's being done already, why reinvent the wheel? Let's do something a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's kind of what they did with the um, remastered of, of the original series. I mean, it's as far as the all the exterior shots and special effects, they just cleaned. Yeah, it they up. said, you know, yeah, what would we do if we do, were doing it today? And so mm-hmm. we've done the same thing. We've said, well. And if we had all of this stuff, if we had uh, special effects today like we like they couldn't have had back then because it just you, people didn't have desktop computers in After Effects. So now we can do uh, a lot more stunts and a lot more effects in every episode. So, right. you know, like every 10, 15 minutes, something amazing has to happen on the Internet. You know? mm-hmm. Right. And the best part about it is you can do it all from your own living room. In a sense, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, something they couldn't do back well, then. Well, the great screen in front of the TV. Hey, yeah, we're filming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about some of the characters in your crew. You obviously don't have the original crew in here. Tell us uh, who are some of the people that are walking around the Enterprise. Okay, we. Uh, I, I'm really proud of the fact that we have such unique and interesting characters, and I've, I've really put a lot of time into trying to say. You know, if you can't have Kirk and Spock and McCoy, you know, why do you want to watch Star Trek? And so I really dug in to to take some characters from the world of Star Trek and bring them into the forefront. Um, One of our our biggest things is that our captain uh, used to be a science officer in his previous gig. So he has more of a science background than a command background. Um, Our first officer... Um, is an Andorian female. Um, so she brings a very different kind of a, 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 a counterbalance to, uh, to, our, to the command. You know, she's very by-the-book uh, regulations. Uh, you know, so, she, so she's, the, she's the hard nose. And then we have uh, a uh, xenologist and xenobiologist and xenopsychologist uh, female, uh, Dr. Crenaire. And she's on board to help understand and catalog new life forms. Um, and then we have uh, a, a, we have a, a typical doctor, a medical doctor. We have uh, some security officers. Um, and uh, another character we're doing is kind of uh, she's going to have some surprises because uh, some of the footage that we've released of her so far, you know, people already see that. You know, she do, she doesn't look like a typical Vulcan because she's not she's in a red engineering outfit, and uh, the thing that's interesting about her is she was not raised on Vulcan, so she is not uh, all logic and and yes, Captain, no, Captain. She's uh, kind of a Pandora's box. She's very self-serving and she has her own agenda. Wow, very cool. And so she's so much for the. Uh the good of the many outweigh the good of the few type of things, right? All about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we know that Star Trek likes to produce, likes to show a very polished, beautiful rainbows and marshmallows uh, idea of the future. But some of the movies have kind of, and the other episodes have kind of let us know that there may not all, everything may not be all roses in Starfleet. 
um, you know, the human nature is what it is, uh, mm -hmm. or alien nature may be what it is. And uh, sometimes maybe you're you're not so much a product of your of, of nurture as much as nature. And so you know, if you take that one person and raise them in one condition, they may be this way. But raise them in another, they may be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it, and that seems to fit maybe more a little bit more modern storyteller telling. You have you have these characters that are that are earthy, that are real, that have faults and flaws and. Uh, you know, it's you know, long long gone is the idealized Star Trek where your crew is basically uh, perfect. Right yeah, now. we we don't. I th I think our our crew is very uh, is very athletic and fit looking, but they're not uh, they're not necessarily uh, the the cream of the crop. You know, greatest Starfleet officers ever around. Um, the way they've bought, been thrown into this adventure and the way that they're having to adapt as as they roll with the punches, so to speak. Um, you know, the, the true natures come out, and they have to learn how to work together. Right, right. So there's Gene Roddenberry's ideal, and there's real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we like to say we're based on the world of, of Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek, not necessarily based on Star Trek. Right, right. right. That sounds like it's going to be a very interesting story. I can't wait to see it. As far as the sets, are you are you building your own sets using green screen or maybe using another Star Trek film group? Uh, what are you doing as far as like maybe like the, for 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 the, for the Enterprise uh, interiors? What are you doing there? We are doing some set builds. Uh, mm -hmm. We are we are trying to choose our green screen very carefully. Uh, we we try to use green screen where it's not um, an expected look. In other words, if you're in a room that you, you know, if you're in a Starfleet room, you kind of expect it to be a certain way. So if it can't, if it can't be a set, you know, then we don't, then it has to be a green screen. We try not to make it look like something you would recognize. Um, and we try to make it look as, as organic as we can. Uh, and we're, um, we do have, uh, you know, many of the production companies have been very generous to allow us to use uh, sets if, and when we need them. But uh, I don't believe they're 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 uh, they're paramount to uh, pardon the pun they're they're not paramount <laughs> to the storytelling uh, that we need. Mm -hmm. uh, we can get around many of these sets because, like I said, we don't want to spend a lot of time having individuals you know talking around a captain's chair. We'd rather have them on a planet investigating things while they're talking, um, and uh, uh, you know to try to try to create a little bit more unusual settings rather than that comfort of the bridge and the ship that where our characters can be at ease. They're not going to be at ease because they're, they're, they're on this planet. Yeah. Now, now you have a trailer out and I really enjoy the trailer. How far are you into the production process? We, uh, we actually have uh, hopefully one more day of principal filming uh, coming up at the end of this month that should finish up uh, part one and uh, get us uh, uh, about two-thirds into part two because we took the challenge of producing a part one and part two at the same time. So uh, whereas it, it was nice to be able to, to do this big epic story while we had everybody together, uh, hindsight's told me, you know, uh, you end up with two half-made movies by the time you're, uh, you're, you're six or seven months into it. So we decided that once we got all the, the, the main effects done and those were being worked on, uh, we go back and focus on principal photography of episode one and then come back and principal photography of episode two. And we do have some actors that are out of state, so getting them back and working that out. Uh, outdoor shoots in Nevada are not just hot, they're windy. Mm -hmm. uh, and that plays havoc on your set. So, you know, it, it seems like, I, I can tell you, we've been working on this for over a year in front of the cameras. Uh and some of that's been a learning curve because, you know, you'll do something and then next month you'll, you'll, you'll figure something out. And you go, oh, I wish I could go back and do what we did last month. You know, and you just can't. You just got to keep moving. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, so with all the filming that's going on, the fact you're putting two parts out, are you going to release part one and then, then make us wait a little bit for part two? Or are they going to be released simultaneously? Yeah. How does this work? Yeah, our, our original goal was, was to release at least an hour to, to a 90-minute uh, a pilot episode that would be a two-parter. Um, you know, it may end up being that our first episode might end up being split a little differently because it is—it's so big, it, it, it just doesn't seem to. It could be divided so so easily, and it, and it, and we we need to really. 
flush out our characters and flush out our story. And so we needed this big, uh, this big uh, mission for them to go on. Um, the uh, the goal, and I'm trying to stick to it as best as possible, is going to be that episode one will be released next month. I, what what week I don't know. So it could be three weeks. It could be four weeks. Um, I've just got we've got to clean up one of these uh, uh, interior shots we've got to do, and then we can we can do that. We want to have at least uh, part two done uh, by August uh, to release just before the uh, Las Vegas Star Trek convention. Oh, that'd be nice. So there won't be a long wait. And then we're hoping, we're already working on episode three, and so we were hoping that we would be releasing, you know, the ideas and the concepts for episode three, but the way it is now, I think that we, we can space it out pretty well. You know, we don't want to over, you know, hit everybody with, with too much of it. So we'll put out the first episode, give them a, a month or so, release the second episode, and then release, then a few months after, a month or so after that, release the, the, the premise of episode three. So we'll almost have three three episodes done within you know the first uh, within six or seven months. Oh, very nice! And that's when you're going to see the payoff after yeah. all this time. Yeah, and, and and our episodes are a little more fast paced. We we're not going with the TV format. We're going with a web format. So uh, you know our typical episodes would be between twenty and thirty minutes, I think. Okay. Um, so very fast, kind of like your adventure serials of the 1930s and 20s, the Flash Gordons. Okay. Just you know, right into the action. Gun to the head ending, pick up where you left off, another, ep- you know, and so each episode will end up having closure, but there will be an overlying themes that, that weave them all together. Oh, very good. Now, you, you have, um, you told us it is taking place just after the crew of the Enterprise get back and yes. before the, sh- the ship gets its refit. Um, how, ma- how many stories do you think you have? You, you create for this, and I mean, do you, do you have in your mind where it's yeah. going to go? I, I would, I'd be happy if we could get six to eight stories mm-hmm. out over over a two year period, um, because we're, what we're really working on through this process as we as we you know try try different things out is we're trying to develop a formula that will allow us to to get in and out of these episodes uh, relatively quick. You know, most. Uh, we have we'll have certain interior shots that will be common, and we'll try to group, gang those up. And so we're trying to have a, a real a real, real workflow in getting those out, so that you know our actors maybe only have to give up uh, a weekend a month or weekend every other month to keep this series rolling, um, and then also allow us to bring new characters in. So we uh, to tell the story that I'd like to tell, it could literally be done in two years. Um, but you know that's hoping that that what we produce the fans want to support and keep things going because you know i'll buy the first ticket but everybody else is going to have to buy the second ticket mm-hmm. right right well, right and, and so in, in saying that i mean putting out a fan film like this obviously takes uh, a fair amount of resources uh are you backing it do you have a lot of other back backers that are helping you is it is it a lot it's of been fans? all me baby it's, it's <laughs> been all me oh wow so. Yeah, it's been all me. And, uh, you know, if somebody had said, uh, hey, uh, why don't you take this money, you know, this amount of money, you know, 10, 15 grand, and why don't you just go make a Star Trek episode? I would have said, no, I think I'll just buy a uniform and keep it in my closet, you know, enjoy it that way. Um, but, you know, this this originally was just going to be a really small production. I was calling a couple of my friends up and said, you know how we did that thing back in the 80s? Let, let's do one, another one again. And professionals started to get involved and uh and uh, next thing i know i mean the cast i have now is not the same cast i started with a year ago as we were playing around with this so uh it's sort of it's it's really taken off and i and i'm happy to see that it's taken on a, a life and that it's become bigger and uh uh and 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 i think that the resources that i have to put in it's like a certain part we just make a decision and say you know i i, I want i don't want to look back and say i didn't I didn't give it my all. I didn't. Right. I didn't put resources where they needed to go. Right. There may be there may be scenes that I wish I could reshoot now. There may be um, uh, you know other things that that, that that we could go back and have hindsight. But I don't want to say you know you didn't spend enough on your effects or you didn't you know you didn't get the right best or you didn't wait long enough to do that. I mean I think spending a year and fifteen grand is probably a, a, a worthy effort. 
Oh, that is a worthy effort. Very worthy effort. Yeah, definitely. I, do you have an estimate about how many hours it takes to put out one of these episodes? I mean, I don't know if you're logging your time or not. Yeah. Well, this is what I've learned. I've learned that uh, uh, you know, a, a page of script takes you about an hour to shoot, um, and uh, a page of script probably takes a couple of di- you know, and, and a, a minute of finished film can take about a week to edit. So. You know, working a, an average of three to four hours a day uh, for a good eight to ten uh, months. Wow! So we, so you do the math, right? There's a lot yeah, of hours yeah. involved. Yeah, the divide the thin and the multiply by the yeah. square root of yeah, yeah, a lot of time. <laughs> oh wow! Wow! Oh, well, very cool. Well, I mean, what uh, often with these productions is you, you, the main guy, have to wear a lot of hats. I mean. Um, I mean, you're, you're the visionary of this. Um, you came up with the idea. Um, are, are, are you directing it also? Yeah. Uh, okay. You're yeah. Directing. My first. My first. Uh, it, back in last June, when we when we first started filming, we had we had a you know we had a talent trailer out there. We spent two three hours in makeup. I I, I hired a, a camera crew, or, or basically you know got them to work for free. They showed up, they set up some cameras, they broke a generator, they left for breakfast and never came back. Oh. So, you know, I learned at that point that if this was going to get done and, and, and it was going to be done with a certain level of passion and ownership, that I was going to have to get behind the camera and run it. So I was originally going to be the captain because uh, who doesn't want to be, you know, the captain of a starship? Oh, uh, but, but I realized, you know what? Uh, the best man for the job and the best man for the job at this point for, for directing is going to be me. Um, so I've had to, over the last two years, learn a lot. I didn't know how to do any animation, uh, two years ago. Um, but I managed to, uh, to, to get some pretty good stuff going and I've made some good connections with some people. I've got some donations. I've had to pay for some stuff. Um, you know, I'm hoping that as we go and we've attracted the people we've, we've attracted so far, it'd be nice to attract, some people to help out with the, some of the camera work and, and, and some of the special effects and, and you know, some of the, the, the heavy lifting that, 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 that a, a project like this requires. But I think that uh, by, by, uh, uh, by writing this first episode and by directing it, I get it started in the, in the path I want it to go and sort of set up the standards. And uh, a, a guy named John Ness who came in to help um, uh, flush out my screenplay uh, for this first two-parter, and he's working on number three too. I find that that uh, he's able to take and 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 bring a little bit more life into the script, uh, while I just try to keep as true to the storyline and the characters that I want. And so we're slowly developing that uh, as we go. And I think once we get that formula worked out, it'll be a lot easier to know where the where these characters are going to go. But I already have you know five or six episodes already fleshed out, including an end. Oh, very good. Well, um, is there anything else? Uh, we obviously, if people want to find out more about Secret Voyages, where would you recommend them visiting? Well, I would normally have them go to my website, uh, which is StarTrekSecretVoyage.com. Uh, unfortunately, it's down right now because uh, in the midst of doing some upgrades and not necessarily being a web guru, uh, all of the great things that I've got on there, I'm having trouble getting it loaded up. But it should be back up uh, within the next couple of days. Um, and we've got a lot of activity though going on our Facebook page. Uh, we produce, we pop in a lot of sample videos. We we do um, uh, sample shots after we do a shoot. We upload stuff right there. So, you know, part of the social experience of this is really found on Facebook. That's that's where we spent most of our time. To where some of these uh, uh, Trek fan clubs out there that that are involved in uh, fan films didn't know anything about us. Uh, in, in, until somebody stumbled across us in Facebook and told them. So I've been trying to now go over to those sites and answer questions and, and upload sample shots and try to get them to you know, come check out the Facebook page because you know, it, I, I've kept that pretty, uh, pretty current. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, is there anything else, Miles? Uh, sort of a – not to do with your, your, your start – well, it, it's Star Trek related. I was just curious. I like to ask um, – you know, anybody who is doing something to make Star Trek, um, you know, well, what do they thought of the new Star Trek movie, the J.J. Abrams movie, if um, uh, what they thought? I, I thought it was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, 
I, I know I know they couldn't go back as much as we as, as I think most people would like them to go back and and you know let's go make William Shatner look like he's thirty again and let's just go pick up where we left off. Um, I, I know that there's no appetite uh, for to go back and retell the same stories. So I, I know that he had to create a separate universe to make this. And, and I'm excited to see you know these characters. Uh, come to life in a different way because we're going to meet them at different times than we normally would, and 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 you know the future's not written now, so uh, so I'll be seeing those. I'll be regularly attending those, and 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 I think they'll have their own place. Um, they're not they're as close to um, as anything that, that J.J. Abrams does. I'm a fan of most of the the work that he does, but uh, you know it's it's kind of hard when you when you touch Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, so many times when they do remakes, they don't do they don't do it justice. Uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't too thrilled with the remake of uh, of uh, Lost in Space, and and um, I, I just feel like you know why do they got to change some of the basic elements that, that we want? But it's because it's money, it's it's investors, and it's 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 somebody wants their vision to supersede the previous vision, and 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 I get all that, but um, but it will, will never replace classic track. Right. Well, Craig, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your your, your production. Um, it sounds it sounds exciting, and um, you know it's it's guys like you that that's that's given us fans some live action trek because we haven't had it in, in so long. So uh, thank you for uh, doing what you can. I appreciate it, and and, and I hope that uh, everybody enjoys our first uh, our first walk in the park uh, in, in the next few weeks. Uh, so be be on the lookout. The secret comes out in June. We'll make sure to mention it on our show when it does come out. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Miles will bring it out. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So, well, thank you so much for joining us tonight and wishing you the best of luck and success. And we can't wait to uh, see the finished product. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks Take a lot. Care. Bye. Well, Miles, we hope uh, we hope our listeners enjoyed the interview that we just did with this uh, this man doing this Trek fan film. It's going to be awesome, aren't they? Yeah, the, the premise sounds very interesting. I can't wait to see it when it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got our sci-fi five and five, and then we got to get out of here, Miles. Well, I found some classic Worf quotes. I thought would be Ooh. fun. Oh, well, let's do it. Okay, uh, we're all fans of Worf. I haven't seen him in Deep Space Nine yet, but I'm mm-hmm. getting there. Okay. Well, uh, do you want? Do you want me to do... Do the odds, I'll do the evens. Okay. This is, um, this is from Deep Space Nine. So Kira asks, so what do Klingons dream about? Worf says, things that would send cold chills down your spine and wake, up and wake you up in the middle of the night. No, it's better you do not know. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one from DS9, Children of Time. Kid, are you the son of Moog? Is that Moog? Yes. Okay, Mog? Moog. Moog. Worf, yes I am. Kid, is it true that you can kill someone just by looking at them? Worf, only when I'm angry. <laughs> uh, number three, uh, uh, this is from Picard. Uh, return that moon to its orbit. Q, I have no powers. Q, the ordinary, Picard says. Q, the liar. Q, the misanthrope. Q says, Q, the miserable. Q, the desperate. What must I do to convince you people? Worf says, die. Yeah, great line. One and line it, from Worf. Great and, line. And this is Q's retort. Oh, very clever, Worf. Eat any good books lately? Some good exchange there. <laughs> yeah. Worf says, congratulations. You are now fully dilated to 10 centimeters. You may now give birth. Kiko, that's what I've been doing. Yes. Hell hath no fury like a pregnant woman. That's right. Mm-hmm. And this is the last one, one of my all-time favorites is uh, Worf from the episode Cupid. Sir, I must protest. I am not a merry man. So is that the whole Robin Hood one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that one? Those are some good quotes by Warf. I like Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Miles, for the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Folks, if you have a Sci-Fi 5 that you want to share with us, you know, email us at sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at 1-888-508-4343, and we'll play it on the show. We'd love to hear what your top five quotes are, best of or worst of anything is. Right. I mean, uh, not – Quotes, it could be movies, uh, authors, uh, sci-fi, five, anything. We, we, sci-fi, we insects, you name it. Yes. Um, you know, give us your best list. Yeah. Well, I believe that's it, Miles. we got to shut down the diner and get out of here. And uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. 
All right. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. 